prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Father, as we stop to focus on your word, Lord, I ask you to let it bear the fruit in our lives that you would will it would to bear. Let every one of us be humble in considering your word. And Lord Jesus, would you give your spirit both in those who are listening and in him who is speaking. I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So I hope you're with me in Matthew chapter 7. We've been working our way through the, the gospel of Matthew and, and lately been in the, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're, we're getting close to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. This is actually a part of Jesus' conclusion. And so we're here in this paragraph, uh, again, with a single command, the one command, beware of false prophets who outwardly look like sheep, but inwardly look like ravenous wolves previous paragraph, Jesus has begun um, bringing all of this to a conclusion and applying the Sermon on the Mount. And so last week, we considered uh, two gates, which lead to two different ways of life that ultimately lead to two different eternal destinies. And now uh, we come once again and, and look at Jesus saying something on the cusp of that, uh, which points us to an understanding that there would be those who would oppose you in entering into the kingdom of heaven. There are those who would keep you out of that narrow and hard gate which would lead to life and do not want you to enter in. And that's what Jesus is alerting us to. He has a very similar structure to this paragraph that we saw last week, which was one uh, command supported by two different facts. Jesus does almost the same thing again here, except in the second fact that he has shared he gives us a lot more detail, and uh, we see in this particular uh, paragraph a, a, a chiasm, which in the, the Greek uh, letter, the 22nd letter of the Greek alphabet is a chi, it's an X, and the, the literary forms in this kind of structured argument parallel each other in an inverted form so that the point is in the middle. The main idea is in the middle. So I've diagrammed this in such a way that you'll see what, we're, what Jesus is getting at. Line A, and, and, and that's 15, and verse 20 forms a kind of inclusio, or beginning and an end of the point of the paragraph, because it's repeated, right? Um, you'll see that um, you will recognize them by your fruit. That's the phrase that's repeated here. Verse 15, also verse 20. And so that, that's a parallel line. So that might be line A, as you would think. B, then, is a question aimed at revealing the nature of the two trees because Jesus is going to liken false teachers and true, and true teachers as two kinds of trees which yield two different truths. And so this, the, the line B gives you the, the nature of the tree. Uh, the corresponding line B then tells you the destiny of that tree um, because those are... are 
evil trees. And then line C compares a healthy tree and good fruit, it positively stating. And then the corresponding line is a, a negative statement of a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. And then right in the middle, which was line D, we have a diseased tree. What does it yield? Bad fruit. And a healthy tree cannot yield bad fruit. So that's the focus of Jesus' attention because he's warning us against uh, false prophets. And how do you discern false prophets? It's by their fruit. And so he takes you to a, a, a focused understanding of looking at fruit in order to discern the nature of the false prophets. And so he's going to help us in, in understanding what he's after. Understanding the fruit or analyzing the fruit is the key point that Jesus is pointing to because there is real danger here. He likens false teachers, they're not neutral. They're not benign. What does he liken them to? Wolves. Wolves are to be avoided and, and fled away from. And so Jesus is alerting you by using such an image. This is serious. So he's calling us to think, he's, he's, he's been preaching this whole sermon, and now we get to the end, he begins applying it. He wants you to realize there will be people who will oppose you in entering into God's kingdom and staying in God's kingdom. And so here is a call to be alert to the people that you listen to. And, and this is part of the point. Who do you listen to? Who supplies you with teaching? What's the kind of person that you focus on in, in listening and being edified in your faith. Jesus is calling us to be discerning. And you might think, wait a minute, Jesus. You just told us, judge not lest you be judged, right? Very back at the beginning of chapter 7, it sounds like you're telling us to be judgmental. We have to keep in mind Jesus when we looked at that portion of Scripture on judging, Jesus was not a calling us to eliminate all kinds of judgments from our lives. Christian, yes, we must make judgments. We must be discerning. But the two things that we saw when we considered that portion of Scripture is whatever standard of judgment you want to impose on somebody else, you first need to apply it to you. Apply it to yourself first. And then the second thing was, don't ever assume that someone is beyond the grace of God. Don't ever assume that in a kind of judgmental fashion that a determined judgment means this person is beyond the reach of God's grace and his goodness. Don't make that kind of judgment. But Jesus is not calling us to avoid all kinds of judgments. Here he's commanding one. And I think a serious question every Christian ought to ask as, I'm, as we think about this together is how do we obey this? How, how do we put this into practice in our lives? May the Lord give us wisdom as, I, as we think about this together. Well, let's look at the command, verse 15. Let me just read it one more time. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Beware. It's, it's a very powerful word. It, it calls us to uh, alert uh, and, and have our attention awakened. Uh, the meaning of the word, according to a, a New Testament dictionary, says this is a call to be in a continuous state of read readiness to learn about future danger, right? or need, or error, and to respond appropriately, to pay attention to, to keep on the lookout for, to be alert for, or to be on guard against. 
It's a very active word. Pay attention. Be on alert. Be on guard. This is not a call for spiritual passivity. This is a call for active judgment and discernment to beware. There's something that is of danger which we need to pay attention to. And so beware. Be on guard. Theological error could be at stake or, or, or um, greater. But there's a call here to be in response and ready to respond. And so of what must we be aware? And of course, it's false prophets is what Jesus says in verse 15. What is, and the first question we have to ask is, what's a false prophet? Well, before we get to a false prophet, we need to know what a true one is. So what is a prophet? When we come to the Bible and ask questions, which I hope you're doing, the most basic understanding of what a prophet is in Scripture is someone who has been duly appointed to be a spokesman for or on behalf of another. For example, who is the duly appointed spokesperson of the President of the United States? It is the White House Press Secretary. Duly appointed, we know who that person is, uh, the, the authoritative spokesman for the President. It's a very similar idea. We, we get the fullest and first exposition of what a prophet is in Scripture when we go to Exodus and we look at Moses. Moses was first called and appointed by God to be his prophet. You remember this. This is Exodus chapter 6, or beginning in 3, and then all the way into 6 and 7, we, we get God's appointing and calling of Moses to be his spokesman. And if you remember the story, of course, Moses... Uh, came up with all the reasons why he didn't qualify for what God was calling him to do. And he complained about not being able to speak and so on. And so after arguing with God for a little bit, in chapter 7 of Exodus, something astounding happens. Moses says, God, I'm not an eloquent speaker, so can somebody else do this? And God said, all right, all right. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. You, you've got Aaron, right? Aaron can speak. I don't know if God actually said that. That's Todd imposing his own understanding of frustration with a human vessel. But he says, okay, I will give you Aaron, and in 7.1, this amazing verse, Aaron shall be your prophet. So God is saying to Moses, you're going to be my prophet. I want you to go to Egypt and speak to Pharaoh everything that I'm going to tell you to speak. Moses says, I can't speak all that well after the little discussion. So God says, okay, Aaron will speak on your behalf, and he'll be your prophet. You'll be my prophet, and Aaron will be your prophet. So you see, a prophet is someone who is a spokesman for another person. Now, as the, un the New Testament, un Old Testament unfolded, what we see is a more technical understanding of the word prophet, which came to mean someone duly appointed and known to speak on behalf of God. And so there are, are lots of prophets throughout the course of the Old Testament. And also what you find is every time there is a true prophet and a real prophet, there's also false prophets. Constantly, when God appoints someone to speak on his behalf, there's someone else who is a false prophet. And what's a false prophet? It is someone who claims to be duly appointed and chosen by God, but who actually is not. And so someone stands up and says, I speak on behalf of God. And, and God would say, I have not chosen that person, right? There's, there's a whole list of, of how to discern that in the Old Testament, which we won't go into. But suffice it to say, every time there is a good and true, right prophet, there's also a false prophet. And this carried over from the, New, of the Old Testament into the New Testament. And Peter tells us 
in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, he says this, false prophets also arose among the people, and by that he's meaning in the Old Testament, the Old, Old Covenant, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. So expect false teachers is what Peter is saying. Expect it. They're going to have, they're in times of old. They are in today as well. And so get used to false teachers. Notice how he, he uses false teachers as a synonym for false prophet. So one who speaks for God or one who teaches God's word or God's will. He's using them synonymously. I'll, I'll use them synonymously throughout the sermon as well. And so false teachers are a problem. Why? They secretly bring in destructive heresies. They don't announce that they're preaching heresy. They don't know, you, you don't see this in the beginning. It's, it's secretive. It's very subtle. Hence the call for discernment, Christians. And so again, Paul struggled with the same thing again and again, wherever he would go. Think Galatia, all the problems in, in the church in Galatia. And, and he even warns Timothy about people who are teaching false truth, uh, false doctrine also. 1 Timothy 1, as I urged you when I was with, uh, going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So a false teacher is one who changes doctrine or twists it or corrupts it, alters it from how it has been given by God or doesn't speak truly is someone who changes slightly, right? And that's why this is so subtle and secretive is because there's a little bit of truth mixed in with a little bit of error. And it's a lot confusing. And so Jesus is saying, beware of false teachers. Beware, be on guard. Because they come to you looking like sheep but they're actually ravenous wolves, is what Jesus says. So he talks about the nature of, of these false teachers who are uh, ravenous wolves. So he's going to give us a clue of how to discern this. He, the two facts that he shares about false teachers is their nature and then their, their behavior, their fruit. So let, let's look at this. He says the nature is they are ravenous wolves. I don't want to hang out with wolves. I don't want to give any attention to ravenous wolves. We need to avoid ravenous wolves. Jesus is not mincing any words. He's simply stating a fact. And we need to let his, his way of speaking shape how we think about false teachers in this world. And so he says, outwardly, they look just like you. They look like everybody else. They fit right in. They use the same kind of language. They sound right. There's, there's a ring of truth in their teaching, but something inwardly is wrong. He says, outwardly they look great. Inwardly, what? Ravenous wolves. So we need to be careful because it's easy to look great and, and yet, inwardly, which Jesus has insight into, and here we push pause and say, okay, let's have some caution and remember what Jesus said about judging. We all know we don't perfectly see into somebody else's heart. So careful. We know we see others' faults more quickly than we see our own. So be careful. And, and we know that we have eyes to the weaknesses of others that we don't 
point to ourselves and so be careful. Nevertheless, in spite of all of that, knowing Jesus alone knows the hearts of man, we know from the Old Testament, God alone sees into the heart. He understands our thoughts and, my, and, and what we're meditating on before we ever fully do. Jesus knows the words on our lips before we even speak them. And yet, knowing our limitations, he still calls us, beware. He still causes you, he calls you as a Christian to be discerning about those who claim to be teachers. So while admitting the weaknesses, we're still called to exercise, obey this command. And so we look at, what, what, what do we see? Okay, this nature, that's the first fact of the problem, is the inward nature. This is not a benign person. These are ravenous wolves, according to Jesus. And so that's the nature. How do we discern that? By what means, Jesus, do we discern what you're calling us to do? And he says, look at fruits. So verses 16 to 20 with me. The fruits of false teachers. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are they? Let's see if everybody's still awake. Do grapes come from thorn bushes? No. No. What about figs from thistles? No. Okay, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. We have to get this, don't we? We got to know what, what, what does Jesus mean? He, he doesn't list, here's the fruits I'm talking about. He leaves that for guys like me to help us think. And so what, what do we see here about fruits as we think about this call? Um, first, let's go, what do you do when you want to know what a word means? You get a dictionary, you look it up in Scripture and say, okay, where does this show up in Scripture? The primary usage of this word talks about the physical fruit from a tree connected to the earth. That's the primary meaning. Secondary meaning, it can be the young of an animal. Uh, and its third meaning is it can be the offspring of, of, of a, a womb. So, for example, Elizabeth talking to Mary when she discovered that Mary was pregnant with the Messiah said, blessed is the fruit of your womb, right? That's the same word. So it can, what is the, the, the point is it's the result. It's the, the going out, the consequence of someone's actions, a person or a tree. So that we think of this fruit, I want, to, I want to invite you to think of it in two ways. When you look at who is a false teacher, which is what we're called to think about, two things, think of content of the teaching and think of conduct of character. The content of the teaching, we're talking about false teachers, so what is the content of the teaching? And then secondly, what is the conduct of the person? What's the behavior? So those are the two, at least two things that this means. So first, we think about the content of the teaching, the first question is to ask, if it's a false teacher, then what's the truth? What's the standard of truth? And you all know the answer to that if you've listened to Jesus for 15 minutes. In John 17, Jesus says, and in a prayer, sanctify them by your word. He's praying to God the Father. And then you know what he says next? Your word is what? Your word is truth. So truth is determined by the Word of God. That's why you need to be in it. 
That's why every one of us needs to be in God's word as much as possible in order to discern, be able to discern truth from error. In, that's the standard. So the first question to ask when you're discerning, is this person a false teacher or not? Is, is what he's saying, does it align with God's word? Is it true? Does his preaching teaching accord with the word of God? And you, of course, you ought to be asking that about me too. Every one of you, you got your Bibles. That's why I say, let's open up and look because you ought to be able to see whatever it is I'm preaching or teaching from. It ought to be here. You ought to see it. And so is this content according with the truth of God's word? And in the context here, I can't help but think what is on Jesus's mind is what he just said in the previous paragraph, which is what? There is a narrow way, a narrow gate that leads, that's, it's hard, that leads to life, and there is a wide and easy way that leads to destruction. So one question on false teaching is, does he say that kind of stuff? Does he affirm that? I, I gave you 12 verses last week that the, as, as an explication of this passage to say that Jesus is the only way of salvation. I gave you a dozen references last week that point to the teaching of the New Testament that says Jesus Christ, only through him can salvation be found. So I think Jesus would say that a false teacher would deny that. False teachers will give you a little bit of truth, like, guys, God is love. He's, he's love, which is true, right? God is love, but he is also just. And if love has provided a way of salvation through Jesus then you have to say, on the contrary, what about the wrath of God also, that if you reject the love that God has demonstrated through Christ, you reject the way of salvation, He's not going to treat you well. The wrath of God is as real as the love of God, just as real as heaven is from hell. And so, are we, is the teacher, saying this kind of thing? Is he saying what the Bible says? That's the first question in asking, does his, his teaching accord with the truth of Scripture? Secondly, John helps us understand uh, some doctrinal truths also to think about. As we analyze Scripture, and you, you look at who is a false teacher, John says this, 1 John 4, 1-3, to has to do with the nature of Christ. Here's what he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. It's actually the spirit of the Antichrist. So here John is saying, here's how you can know whether or not someone comes. And this, this, every spirit that confesses, meaning person who's under the influence of a spirit, if he's under the influence of the Spirit of God, he will affirm that Jesus is the Christ, which means anointed Messiah. He's the one whom God has appointed and chosen to be his authoritative spokesman. He's the one. He's the Christ. He's come in the flesh. Because there were teachings in the early church that said, ah, Jesus wasn't really flesh. He, he, just, he just looked like a human. He was not truly human. And this kind of grew out of the understanding that flesh is evil, right? Sin, our, our carnal nature, this fleshly nature is inherently evil because that's where sin abides in. That's, that's not true. And so Jesus couldn't have been fully human because then he would have to be sinful. So that, that's not true. John says, 
if you affirm, if, if you, the, the teacher affirms Jesus is both Christ and came fully in the flesh, meaning he's fully human, then he's from God. If he doesn't, if he denies those things, then he is not from God. So a third test here doctrinally, as we're thinking about the content of teaching, does he affirm the authority of the disciples and God's appointed spokesman? Does he affirm the authority of the apostles? Um, I get this from 1 Corinthians 14, 30, uh, 37 and 38. So do they submit, does the teacher submit to what we know to be the, the, the gospel or the truth of the early New Testament authors? Um, 1 Corinthians 14, if anyone thinks, this is Paul, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, then he should acknowledge that the things that I'm writing to you are a command of God. If anyone does not recognize this, then he's not recognized. Paul is saying there's one body of teaching the early church has embraced and we all as apostles embrace it. Do you remember Paul went to Jerusalem to talk with the other 12 disciples in order to make sure that their doctrine was in agreement? He wanted to make sure, he said, that I haven't run in vain. I'm not teaching wrongly. They, they came to a place of agreement and all of them agreed upon the content of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone who then says to, about Paul, I... I and we, we hear this all the time today. If you listen carefully, well, that's Paul speaking. That's not Jesus speaking. And I would say to you, Jesus chose Paul and helped him say everything that he was intended to say. So if Paul is speaking, Jesus is speaking. So to deny Paul is to deny Jesus. And so here, and John says the exact same thing almost in 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Meaning, those who listen to the apostles are from God. Those who don't are not. So when you're listening to teachers, are they affirming New Testament doctrine? Are they affirming what the apostles taught? That's a serious question. And, and think about this for just a second. As, as Jesus says, look at the fruit, analyze the fruit, it takes time for fruit to develop. And over the course of time, a person's body of teaching will reveal whether or not he's from the Lord or not. It takes a little time to discern that. In the beginning, it's hard to see. If you keep listening, you're going to be able to discern whether or not that teacher is in agreement with the gospel and the, and the truth of God's word or not. So that's the first thing to look at, the content of teaching. You want to look at who's a false teacher or who's not. Jesus is saying, there's a standard of truth. He's false. What's the truth? It's the word of God. So look, does this person teach gospel truth? The second thing has to do with behavior or personal conduct. Why do I say this? It's because the fruit of a life is shown in the conduct of his, of his character. And Jesus also criticized the Pharisees in this regard because they had they knew the teaching, but they did not obey it. Matthew 23, verse 3. Jesus says, speaking about the Pharisees, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they don't practice. There's another critical marker in discerning who's a false teacher and who isn't, is does what he preaches accord with his practice? Does he practice what he preached? The Pharisees didn't. They taught God's law and, and for the most part had it right. And yet in practice, they were completely wrong. They didn't obey it. 
they would say, here's God's word, you need to obey it. But in private, they would do something entirely different. And so that's another standard of measurement in, t- in determining, determining who is a false preacher is does the actions of that person accord with the preaching of that person? And in, in doing my homework for figuring out what, and I'm just curious, maybe this will be your lunchtime conversation. Okay, top three qualities to discern a false teacher. That's your homework. When you go to lunch and you talk to people, you, you just say, what's your, and you can't use the three that I'm about to share with you, okay? So what, what, are, what are they? What would you say are the top three qualities of, of how to discern a false teacher? So I was doing some digging, and in 1873, a first century document was discovered, hidden away in a, a library of a monastery. It's called the Didache, and it was written in the late first century, but it has a whole section on false prophets. And it's very interesting because it's filled with practical wisdom. So I'm going to, t- I'm going to share with you some of what this, the, this little uh, section says about how to discern false prophets. And the first thing is behavior. So this is from the Didache. It says, every prophet who teaches the truth, if he do not what he teaches, is a false prophet. Right? If, if, if he teaches and he doesn't do what he's teaching, he's a false prophet. He's divided against himself. If he says one thing and turns around and does another, then don't listen to him. And I know some wives who are thinking of that about your husbands. I know some of us who are thinking of it about ourselves. What's going on here? There is a call implicitly in all of this. Is your life in accord with what you say? This is not just true for false teachers. This is, this is a question for every one of us. And it is a call for you to make a course correction if there needs to be. Because how many of us, do you, do you fully practice what you preach? Right? If we get really strict with one another, we're probably all going to fall short on that. And yet the calling is, that's the way it ought to be. People of God, live according to what you know to be the truth. Stop giving in to sinful tendencies and be obedient. So the first thing is behavior. It's stated again in a different way. And it says this, not everyone, this is again in the Didache, not everyone who speaks in the Spirit is a prophet except he have the behavior of the Lord, right? For from his behavior then, the false prophet and the true prophet shall be known. Meaning you can tell the difference by the behavior of a person. Look at his life or her life. And and does it accord with the actions of your Lord? If you claim Jesus is the Lord of your life, then are you obeying him? Do your actions line up? with the character of Christ. Look at the behavior of the person. So if you're thinking, who's a false teacher? Look at the behavior of that person. So that's the first thing, behavior. Second thing is, I think it has to do with what a person thinks about himself. So here's another line from the Didache. It says this, let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord, but let him not stay more than one day, or if need be, a second day as well. But if he stays three days, he's a false prophet. Now I cracked up laughing when I read that because I'm thinking we should share this with some of our in-laws. You, you can come for a day or two, but you stay for three and you're out. Right? I'm, I'm just kidding. My in-laws are all about to come for a couple of weddings. I hope they're not listening right now. I love them all. 
<laughs> and yet, what is this saying? You ever invite somebody to your house and they just settle in and just decide to stay? This is really good. At, at Mike Costa, he is a great host. They take care of my food. Finally, somebody, you know, we're always kind to one another when we first show up at each other's houses. He compliments me. He recognizes my self-worth. I think I'll stay here for a little while. Right, go to Costa's house. He's going to take care of you. Right, that's a pride speaking, isn't it? That's just, I, I like this. They, they, they treat me like a king. Right, when you're a guest in someone's house, you're always served very well. And so you begin to think, yeah, I kind of like this. I'll just, I'll just stay here. I think this is illustrating pride. And, and you know it. You can smell it. If you listen long enough to a teacher or a preacher, you can begin to smell how they think about themselves. You can hear it come out. Is he always talking about how wonderful he is? So forth. You'll begin to be able to discern if that person thinks too highly of himself. And so you, if you're a discerning listener, you'll be able to see it. Pride will come out in the teaching of a false teacher. So be careful. And the third thing is greed. It has to do with money. So here's what the Didache says. Whosoever shall stay in a spirit, give me money or something else. You shall not listen to him. But if he tell you to give to someone else, then listen. But that's the point. You listen. A false teacher, if he comes and he says, you know what? Uh, I need some money to help me on the way. Let's take up a love offering. Very common in churches, right? Everywhere we go, there's a love offering. And so soon, false teacher will talk about money. It's inevitable, is what this is saying. Sooner or later, money or possessions, right? He says, if he tells you to give you money or something else, like stocks or bonds, or you know, you know yeah, I'll take the gold watch, whatever. The possessions and money will rise to the surface. Be careful, is what I, I think we should take to this from, from Jesus. Beware of people who, who begin to talk about money. And this is probably what happened in the life of Demas. Demas was a guy who was working with Paul, a co-laborer in the gospel, and then abandoned Paul. Here's what Paul says, 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 and 10. Paul's writing to Timothy, just do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. It's like, Paul, I'm, I'm done hanging out with you, man. I'm done preaching the gospel. I need to go get a job. I need to go, think, I, need, I need to start building my 401k, whatever. I, you know what I'm saying. He, I, he needs something of this world. He's in love with the stuff of this world, and so he abandons Paul. So that's the third quality, is when you're discerning, is this person a true teacher or a false teacher? To what degree does he talk about money? What, what, what possessions come to play in the course of, of the teaching and preaching? So you've got it now. We've got everything before us. Let's, let's wrap all this up. Jesus commands us to beware of false teachers. Beware. Be on the alert. Be on the lookout. Be very discerning. He calls us to take, ready to take action and, and not to listen to false teachers. So one point. Just because somebody claims to be a Christian does not mean they're Christian. Just because someone claims to be an ordained minister does not mean God has his hand on that person. There's a lot of people who say that, and you need to be discerning on whether it's true or not by looking at the fruit of their lives. Everybody, be discerning about who you listen to. 
Because these people that Jesus is talking about are not innocuous. They're not benign. He says they're like ravenous wolves. That's, that's powerful language. I don't, want to, I don't want to have anything to do with ravenous wolves. So we live in a culture that is very easy to just pop on YouTube and start listening to some preacher teacher. Well, question, what do you know about them? What do you know about the conduct of their life? Do you really want to give faith and, and confidence and airtime to someone who you know nothing about? What's the content of the teaching? What's the content of their character? How do you discern those things? And you want to buy books? Don't, don't buy the books of wolves. Don't listen to their podcast. Be discerning and careful because Jesus is calling us here to take some action and to be very careful about who we give time listening to. And, and so look at the content. Know God's word so that you have a true standard in your head when you are listening. And second, this presumes you can analyze the fruit of a person's life. This Jesus presumes you're close enough to a teacher to see the result of how he lives, which flies in the face of our digital world. Right? We, we can easily jump on YouTube or some channel to listen to some random teacher. How does he live? How, what's the character of his life or her life? How do you know if he's faithful in the gifts that God has given? How do you know he's above board? How do you know that he's above reproach, which is a qualification for the elders in the scripture? How do you know that? You can't assess that digitally. So stop listening. Find someone you know who you can minister with. Now, I praise the Lord. Some of you are here this and you'll think, he's going to stop live streaming next week. I, I, I praise the Lord for live streaming. Some of you are out of the country. Some of you are sick. You're watching from home. Some of you are far away. You're traveling. You're away for work. I, I praise the Lord that we can live stream. But digital church is not meant to be permanent. We're to be in community with one another. And if we've just sat at home and been lazy because we want to drink coffee and watch church in our pajamas, that's, that's not participation in the community of God. We're meant to be in each other's lives. That's how the body is constructed. Watching from home 10,000 miles away and never being connected is not connected. If you're weak and sick and can't get out, I completely understand that. But the church is meant to be together. We need each other desperately. And so what I hear Jesus saying here is, you've got to be able to watch each other's lives. That's this part of accountability in church is, is being lovingly cautious for one another and concerned about our souls. That doesn't happen virtually. It can to a small degree. But here together when we're with each other, for example, somebody came last week, shared something with me face-to-face as we were walking out the door and in tears in this person's eyes. I went this past week, I've been praying for him all week. If I'd gotten an email, I would have prayed. I I make a covenant. If somebody sends an email for prayer, I I pray right then because I know I'll forget if I don't. But to look somebody in the eye who said, here's what happened to me and see tears, that moved me to pray in a way I would not pray if I'd gotten an email. So I, I love digital communication. I praise the Lord for technology. But folks, 
Jesus is calling us here to be connected. And you need to be discerning about who you listen to. So be careful. How do we obey this? Uh, some of you have, you're probably at home watching because you've been hurt by a preacher, right? You've been hurt by a false teacher. I totally get that. I totally get that. I too have been hurt um, by false teachers, every one of us. But I know one person who can heal your hurt. Who've, who've, you've been wounded. You've been burned by a false teacher preacher. I know one teacher who's not false. I know one preacher who is completely true, who can heal your wounds. You, you, you hang around me long enough, I'll disappoint you. Not intentionally, but I'll do it. I, I don't want to. Every human being will fail you. Jesus will never fail you. He won't. So your faith and your confidence needs to be in him and him alone. And we need each other to tell us that. We need to hear that from one another. When we offend each other, we need to say, I'm very sorry. Will you forgive me? Let's pray about it and keep our eyes on Jesus. That's part of what Jesus is saying here. Beware. There are, t- there are people who do not want you to go to heaven. There are ravenous wolves who just want your money or whatever else you have to serve, your talent. Don't be discerning. Don't accept that every person who says he's true and sent from God actually is. You need to be able to look at the teaching and look at their lives in order to analyze that. And the only person who never falls short is the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone can forgive your sins. He alone can heal your wounds. He alone knows the aches of your heart. And he alone has made salvation for our sins. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are here to worship you. And please forgive us for worshiping popular celebrity preachers. Lord, I praise you for people who can preach well and good and and ought to have a wide platform for proclaiming the truth. But Father, we, we so easily worship the things that we can see and it's difficult to worship you when we can't see. And yet I pray, Lord Jesus, would you let your glory so shine before us that we are enthralled with your perfection and that we are are captured by your beauty. Let us be discerning in relation to preachers and teachers. And And I ask you, put your hand of favor upon those who are proclaiming your truth. That God, give us discerning hearts for who we give our time and and attention to. Give us discernment, Lord Jesus, about truth. Let us know your word so that we can know instantly when somebody is out of alignment with your word. And Father, let us have gracious, loving antenna as we think about a person's life and conduct. And Father, Forgive every one of us when we fall short of living up to your conduct. But Lord Jesus, you and you alone are perfect. You and you alone are sinless. Our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. And Lord, I ask, there's somebody in this room who is not in a living relationship with you. Then let them, before they leave today, completely surrender to you. Confess sins. Repent of willful disobedience and turn to you with a whole heart. In you and you alone, our salvation. Jesus, we want to praise your name right now.
In Christ's name I pray. Amen.